Morning, friends. Those who are just uh, connecting or tuning in, welcome to you. It's lovely to be together this morning as we, we gather to hear God's Word and journey deeper into what the Lord's Prayer means and its significance in our, in our faith and in our lives. As you log on, please let us know where you're watching from. Send us a message. Interact with us. The idea of the live stream is that you can uh, click on the reactions, you can ask questions, you can, uh, you can speak and dialogue to us, and we'll get back to you uh, almost immediately and uh, also in the week as well if the, if the question or the comment is a little more complicated. But please do dialogue with us. We'd love to, we'd love to have that sense of connection with you. If you are joining us from part of our regular congregation in Bundaberg, welcome to you from around the world or on our podcasts, whatever time you might be watching this. You are welcomed, you are included, you are part of, <coughs> excuse me, part of the fellowship. And uh, <coughs> it's great to be together, especially if this is your first time uh, watching one of our live streams. Let us know, and uh, like I say, let us know where you're watching from. It's fascinating to see all the different places as we realize we are such a wide family connected together. Today, as I say, we're also uh, continuing with our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And behind me, you'll see uh, another beautiful banner. Our thanks to, to Jenny, who makes the banners. I've had so many comments on the different banners. But, um, but how wonderful it is to uh, have that visual reminder of the theme that we're journeying on. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. May you know God's peace in your life this morning. If you are with people around you, take a moment to greet them as well. Let us come before God in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we gather on what is a, a beautiful day here in Bundaberg, a day in which, Lord, we feel uh, the warmth of your spirit and the wonder of your creation. Lord God, as we think of you in all your majesty and power and might, we are amazed at, at the, the creativity with which you have made this world, the beauty with which you cannot help but create. You are God over all things. And Lord God, we see your beauty in creation around us. We see your majesty in the stars above us. We rejoice at the wonder of a, of a heavenly Father who invites us into his presence. A Father who is approachable and connected. A Father who desires to hear his children speak. In your majesty and in your might, in your greatness, the fact that you invite us to call you Father, is something so beautiful and precious, something which we treasure deeply, but, but yet it is something which we often take for granted. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for those moments, Lord, where we have, have not focused on this connectedness we have with you, on the beauty of our relationship. For times, Lord, when we have taken you for granted and left you out of our lives. But we thank you, Lord God, that you are there with open arms as we turn and come towards you. You embrace us as a father embraces his children. 
And for this, Lord, we give you not only thanks and praise, but also all of our love, all of our dedication. And it creates within us a desire to serve you faithfully, to be your people. We thank you, Lord God, for the beauty of of those around us, those connected in, in the services that we share in this live stream all across the world. Those, Lord, whom are brothers and sisters in Christ, who we love and who we cherish, and with who we build your kingdom together. We thank you, Lord God, for the wonder of the Holy Spirit, who empowers us and enables us to live a Christ-centered life, focused on, on your example of how to love, how to serve, and how to, be, how to be Christ in this world. We commit this time of worship into your hands, thanking you for your majesty, your greatness, for the beauty of who you are and for the joy of your love. May you be praised in and through the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, uh, our sermon series continues to look at the Lord's Prayer and the two readings I've chosen, the one is the same as one of the readings we had last week, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13, and the second is from Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. Matthew 6, 5 to 13, and Romans 8, 14 to 17. For those of you who are, might be following with us and just taking a moment, let me uh, just remind those who logged on after I had made the announcement that uh, just slightly above in our Facebook feed is a picture posted this morning of the Lord's Prayer, of the words that we will say together at the end of the service. I invite you either to print it or open it in a new tab and uh, just have that handy before you. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship each week is to bring before God the gifts and offerings that we give, as well as our intercessory prayers, our prayers for, for the needs of others. This morning, I'm, as we bring the offering, we are thankful for the faithful giving of our people. Many have been or continue to place their gifts directly into the church account through online giving, and all the details are available on the website for you to do that. Um, there's also a link in the comments feed of our, Facebook, uh, of our Facebook Live feed as well. There are also many who drop in their offerings at the office each week, and thank you for doing that. And as we bring these gifts and offerings, these are uh, a symbol of our love and, uh, and of our dedication. It is a physical way in which we express our thankfulness to God for all that He is and everything that He means to us. If you'd like to give, please find those details on the website and simply mark uh, in the reference City Offering and you can leave your name out in order to be anonymous. Let us bring that offering before God and also our prayers of intercession. Lord God, you are almighty and all-powerful. And we marvel at the fact that we are given the privilege of bringing gifts to you. There is nowhere else that this would ever occur. No king or president or prince would receive a gift from any of us. There'd be too much security and scrutiny. But instead, Lord, you invite us to bless you with our gifts. And so we ask that you would receive these gifts and offerings from your children who love you and who worship you. May you use them to further your kingdom in this community. We pray, Lord God, for those who are in desperate need of your touch this morning, those who have lost loved ones, those, Lord God, who are grieving, those who are facing long-term treatment for illness, those, Lord, who have received a diagnosis that they have dreaded. We pray for those, Lord, who are continuing to look for work in this uh, time of the COVID uh, crisis, those who have lost jobs or, uh, or been scaled down. For those, Lord, who are worried about an uncertain future. We pray for those whom we love, who we know are in need of prayer relationships that we are concerned about, loved ones who face challenges. And then, Lord, there are those things that are known just to you and to us. As a child comes to their father, so we come to you and bring you these requests. You hear the unspoken prayers of our heart. We raise them to you, thanking you that you do not shun us or turn us away or kick us out but you lovingly hear our prayers and in this we rejoice we commit them to you and now holy spirit we pray that you would speak to us through this word 
We ask, Lord, that the words that are spoken would be your words to us, that the voice we hear would be your voice, that the message we receive would be relevant to each of our lives and exactly what we need to hear at this point in time to grow our faith, to deepen our spirituality, to enhance the connection that we have with you. Speak, Holy Spirit, we pray. We, your children, are listening. Amen. There are some funny ways that children have referred to God's name. There was a little boy who was convinced that God's name was Andy. And uh, he couldn't be persuaded otherwise. And when pressed to give reasons why he thought God's name was Andy, he said, well, it's because we all sing that song. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. In our own family, one of our children once asked us why God's name was Whirly. And we couldn't understand where this was coming from until our child said to us, you know, from that song at church, Whirly is his name instead of worthy. The Lord's Prayer is responsible for a few of its own misunderstandings. Debbie's mom was telling me that in her class, a little child prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hello, what's your name? One little boy thought that God was a painter. Our Father who does art in heaven. I mentioned last week the little child who thought God was all fruity, our father who art a lemon, or the child that thought God's name was Harold, our father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. All in all, harmless misinterpretations that I'm sure amuse and put a smile on God's face as God lovingly looks down upon his precious children whom he loves and enjoys their prayers and enjoys their innocence. But I do wonder if there wasn't some consternation in the heavens amongst the angels when God announced what the human beings he created would be calling him. I mean, they would call him Father. That is a very close and intimate term for such insignificant creatures to address the Almighty God, the creator of heavens and earth, all that is seen and, is, and that is unseen. But strange as it may be, this is what Jesus teaches us to do in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. As I mentioned at the beginning, friends, we continue in the series of looking at the Lord's Prayer in a bit more depth and detail. And last week as we began the series, if you missed it, go back and, uh, and have a look at the video. It's, uh, it's still on our Facebook feed as well as our YouTube channel and, uh, and podcasts. But if you missed it, catch up with it. But, but we saw that the Lord's Prayer is so much more than just a few nice-sounding verses that are to be recited off by heart as some form of, of elevated prayer that we, that we do by rote. The Lord's Prayer is, in fact, a model for pursuing intimacy with God and a practical pattern for a faithful lifestyle. A model for pursuing intimacy with God and a practical pattern for a faithful lifestyle. It is a prayer in which we bring the whole of our lives, past, present, and future, to the whole of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, in fact, this uh, first part of the Lord's Prayer, it's no accident that Jesus starts off by teaching the disciples to relate to God as Father. It wasn't like he had just finished praying and, and accidentally told them to say what he had said. Not at all. This is what he intended. This is the nature of the relationship that he is spelling out for them. He wanted them, he wants us to relate to God as Father. He wanted them to see that this is the type of relationship that God desires to have with them. A loving, caring, kind, friendly, respectful, intimate relationship. A relationship of protection and of God wanting the very best for his children. A relationship where the children are free to approach in love and without a sense of, of fear and trembling. Jesus would go on to tell them in the days and months ahead, parable after parable that would reinforce this teaching. Most notably, the parable of the prodigal son, which I have often said should really be called the parable of the loving father. It's a story about God running out to meet his child. The parable of the loving father, the parable of the running father. You see, friends, Jesus wanted to impress upon the disciples that God the Almighty, the creator of all, that God who they were taught to fear and who most often was seen as a God of punishment and a God of rules, a God who would smite you down for the slightest indiscretion or, or punish you with illness and suffering. The Pharisees had, had painted this picture of God that, that made people see the God this way, that made people's overarching emotion be one of fear. But Jesus wanted to teach us that God was actually a God who loved, a God who cared, a God who was personal, a God who knew them and, and deeply desired the intimacy, the connection of a parent-child relationship, a God who would give good gifts to his children, a God who was filled to capacity with love for us, a God who is approachable and friendly and kind. If Christ came to reveal God to us, if Christ is the fullest revelation of God to us, the start of this most famous prayer is of infinite importance in our understanding of God, in our picture of God. Our Father. There's a great story of one of the Roman emperors who was returning to Rome from an all-conquering campaign. And as was the custom for the Romans, a victorious emperor was given the opportunity to walk through the streets of Rome in a kind of ticker tape parade of, of uh, the greatness of the campaign they had won and fought. All the trophies, all the spoils of war would be dragged behind them and, and behind the chariots carrying all the riches, the prisoners would be pulled along in chains and walk through the streets of Rome. And there would be thousands who would line the streets and clap and cheer the victorious returning emperor. And in order to control the crowd, these big, strong legionaries, tough and dangerous, would stand with their legs apart and the spear on the side and uh, would keep a visible policing barrier, a, a kind of a visible wall to hold back the crowds. There was also a platform for the emperor's wife and family to view uh, from the best vantage point 
the returning uh, victor of the campaign. And on one particular occasion, as the emperor returned and the parade was going on, his young son turned around, ran off the platform, uh, weaved his way through the crowd, ducking under people until he got to this wall of legionaries. And at that point, he tried to slip between the legs of one of the soldiers. But the soldier would have none of it. He grabbed him, not recognizing who this little boy was. He grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and said, You can't go there. This is the emperor in the chariot. And the little boy looked up and said, Well, he may be your emperor, but he's my daddy. And that's exactly the way the Christian is meant to feel or relate to God. The might, the majesty, the power, and the glory of God are in fact the might, the majesty, the power, and the glory of one who Jesus taught us to call Father. When Paul writes that we cry out to God, Abba, Father, there's no real English word to translate that word Abba. It's kind of meant to show the closeness, the love, the, uh, the connectedness of a childlike admiration, of a child who knows that, that they are the apple of their father's eye. The closest word that we have is in fact the word daddy. But if you could imagine the word daddy without the, the sort of childish connotation, that's, that's what we're in to call God. Abba, Father, says Paul. But it is a true and a sad reality that the term father doesn't, bring, doesn't always bring positive images in this flawed and sinful world in which we live. There are many people whose experience of a father has been less than perfect, to say the least. In these situations, relating to God as father can be very difficult. There are those who have suffered abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, or perhaps even combinations of those from their fathers. There are those whose fathers have chosen alcohol and drugs over the welfare of their families. There are those whose fathers have abandoned them or whose fathers have been heavy-handed with discipline or have sought to control and, and dominate them. There are those whose fathers have been cold and unaffectionate those whose fathers never had any time for them, those whose fathers didn't love them. There are those today who don't even know who their fathers are or perhaps their father passed away at a very early age. For many people, the image of God as a father is a tricky and difficult one to relate to because of the understandings we have experienced in this life. Can be difficult to relate to the very sense of intimacy that that image is meant to evoke, that it's meant to convey, because it's opposite to our experience in this world. And for many, it may make seeing God as Father particularly difficult, or even take away the very positive things that Jesus was in fact trying to convey about God. Throughout my ministry, there have been many times where people have found it very helpful to see God as a parent as opposed to just a father. For many, the picture of God as mother is more helpful to them 
for that is where their unconditional love and care might have, have come from in their lives. And this is something that's perfectly understandable. And I don't think that God is all that fussy, as particularly as he knows the circumstances of our lives. However, I did read one writer who, in addressing this issue, I think comes up with a helpful approach. He speaks about the fact that each of us uh, that for each of us, the feelings or the connotations that our, our fathers or parents generate in our lives is a little like a photograph that we may have carried in our wallet for years and years. Some of those photos may be very beautiful and in great condition, but for most, the photo might be a little overexposed or underexposed or torn or faded or, or washed out or damaged from, the, uh, from being uh, tossed about in the wallet or Maybe it's only a partial image or even an out-of-focus image. The pictures are seldom perfect, but they are a reminder of something beautiful. They bring to mind something we treasure or had or loved. It might not be a great picture. It could even, as I say, be a damaged picture. But it is what the picture represents that's important. In the same way, an earthly father may not have been perfect. But we all have an idea of what a perfect father would have been. We know what we would have liked in a father, and the pictures we have remind us of that perfect father that is not the poor reflection of what we may or may not have experienced in this world, but rather it points towards a picture of what we know a father is meant to be, a father whose very name is holy. For some I know that that picture may be a little too damaged. It might just be too difficult and a bridge too far. But I honestly believe that God is bigger than our understanding of him. And if it works to think of God as a mother or as a parent, if that's what brings to mind the sense of unconditional love and the care and the personal relationship and the connection that Jesus is trying to convey in this moment, I don't think God minds that. God doesn't intend for his name to bring up negative connotations or negative associations, but rather the very best of what we could ever hope to see in a parent. God is the one who loves, who cares, who reaches out, who uplifts, who journeys with, who allows us the freedom to choose and, and gives us the room to make mistakes and to learn from them. He is the parent who forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. He's the one on whom we can depend and in whom we can trust. He is always there and is everything an ideal father or parent would be. When Jesus says, begin your conversations with the word, our father, he means it to be the most close and warm and wonderful relationship possible. A relationship in which the mighty, majestic and powerful God becomes the approachable, kind, friendly, loving, trustworthy God and who invites us to call him Daddy, Abba, Father. I remember watching Barack Obama's second inauguration and he and Michelle Obama, they were driving through the streets in that um, big bulletproof limousine and uh, there were great cheers and, and thousands of people lined out and uh, turned out to watch and to, to celebrate his election. 
Then they headed off to the special secure bulletproof enclosure where they would watch a parade of literally hundreds of different groups who would uh, march past bands and organizations and all sorts of things uh, marching past this podium celebrating, um, celebrating his presidency. And in this moment, all the cameras are on him. All the cameras are on the two of them, actually, him and Michelle and the youngest daughters as they watch the parade. But what stood out for me was there was this one moment that was really special. He and Michelle had just joined this VIP crowd of, of 60 uh, incredibly important people. And they're sitting in this bulletproof stand. And everybody across the whole world is watching him and his every reaction. It's such an important moment. There's so many uh, rules to follow and protocols and organization of things to work. You know, everything's timed down to the second. And as Barack and Michelle Obama sit down, looking very presidential and dignified, their youngest daughter, Sasha, who is just 11 years old at the time, leans over and asks her dad, Barack, to kiss her mom, Michelle, so that she can get a photo on her cell phone. Wasn't the right moment for that. There was a time schedule. Things had to be done. Everybody was watching Everything had to be done with precision. The parade was waiting to have his attention, waiting for him to be looking out so that they could begin. But in that moment, none of that mattered. And even though he was meant to be the president in this very dignified moment, it was also his 11-year-old daughter who wanted a picture of her daddy kissing her mommy. And so he and Michelle obliged. And the pageantry and the ceremony and the whole world waited. The whole parade waited, just had to wait, while Sasha took a photo of them kissing. But she didn't get the photo right the first time. I think it was a new cell phone and she didn't quite know how to work. She didn't get it the first time. So she asked him to kiss again. And then she didn't get it the second time. So she asked him to kiss a third time. Three times it took her to carelessly snap the photograph. But it didn't matter. This was his daughter. And as powerful as he was, and even as all the important things needed to be done, she came first. It was a lovely illustration of the intimacy of a father-child relationship. And it's a pretty good example of what Jesus is trying to convey in teaching us to call him Father. Such a powerful and incredible God who when called upon by his children <clears throat> becomes completely approachable and a God who would do anything to express his love. The whole of creation can wait as a child looks heavenward and says, Our Father. But in teaching us to call God as Father, Jesus teaches us also something about ourselves. A few months ago, I was standing in the checkout queue at Woolworths and the person in front was taking a little bit long. <clears throat> so I picked up one of those gossip magazines and started to flip through it while I waited. Once I passed the 
most important main news headline, you know, Jennifer Aniston's second cousin twice removed giving her opinion on Brad Pitt's third love child. I, uh, I then came across this genuinely heartwarming Mother's Day picture of Kate Middleton and her three children. And Prince George was looking particularly sweet and kind of at the, the, the age of being ready to go to school. And what struck me was that no matter what happens to this kid, he will always be a royal by virtue of his father. He'll always be a royal. He was born into the royal family. His dad will be the king. Most likely he will be the king because of who his father is. And because of who his father is, he is special. So when he does go to school, and maybe like all children, he faces kids who tease him, he can laugh it off just knowing that he's really special. He's a VIP. I mean, if there's a bully that, that, uh, that says to him, hey, Georgie, who do you think you are? The king of England? Well, he can quite legitimately say, well, you know, almost. When Jesus says to us, begin your prayers by calling God Father, he's really saying that, that we are something special. There are so many times that this world will knock us down. There are so many people that find themselves in a place with, with low self-esteem or a sense of worthlessness. There are many people who don't believe that they are good enough, who are always trying to live up to something that they feel they are not. But Jesus says to us, hey, your father is the king, the king of kings. And that makes you special. You are worth everything. Your life was worth the death of Christ. Your personality is unique and wonderful. And no matter what anyone says, no matter what you go through, you are special by virtue of who your father is. Your father is the Lord. Your father is God Almighty, King and Creator. And as such, you are worth everything. The Spirit, we read in Romans, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you realize how special that is? Do you realize the, the status to which we are being elevated in this moment? You are God's children heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Our Father. In those times when we find ourselves in a moment of feeling really downtrodden, when we find that our outlook on life is, uh, is struggling, when we find that we, we wonder as to our own sense of worth, the prayer we are meant to pray is our Father. And lastly, calling God our Father also teaches us about our relationship to others. For if He is our Father, then you and I are brothers and sisters. We are family bound together by a God who loves us each as His child. Jesus didn't say, when you pray, say, my Father. 
When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, you begin with these words. Our Father. Our Father. God doesn't belong to any one of us as individuals, nor does he belong to a particular church or denomination. We don't have a monopoly on understanding God. We're also not told that certain people cannot pray this prayer. In fact, the invitation is for everyone to pray this prayer. God doesn't exclude anyone when he teaches them to pray. He doesn't say to them, right, you 11, listen up. Judas, this isn't for you. I know what you're going to do later on. You go away. He simply says, when you pray, when all of you pray, say, our Father. Which means that we should be treating one another like brothers and sisters. Everyone. The whole world. We should be loving and caring for those, uh, for all of those things, for all those people. Loving and caring uh, like good families should be. We should value each other and treasure one another. For come time to pray, we stand together, we sit together, we kneel together, we are side by side and we say together, Our Father. Friends, I promise you that we're not going to go through the Lord's Prayer two words at a time, although we probably could. Please don't worry, this isn't a marathon sermon series. But today, see just how special and important our relationship with God is. As Jesus straight away teaches us how to relate to God as Father. What a privilege and what a joy that is for us to know that we have a God who loves us in that way. And at the same time, in teaching us that, in teaching us about his relationship to us, in giving us a, a new picture of, of how we understand God, he also teaches us to love ourselves and teaches us to love others. A whole sermon on just two words. But what amazing words they are. Our Father. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in what we hear this morning in this most beautiful sense of, of being able to relate to you as a child relates to their father. We thank you, Lord, that you give us in, in just these two words a whole new picture of, of who you are, of how you want to connect with us, on the kind of relationship that you want to have with us. You speak to us, Lord, of our of our own sense of self-worth. You love us. We are your children. We are special. And you remind us, Lord God, that it is not just us, not just each of us as individuals who call you Father, but, but everyone. And as such, you teach us to love others. We pray, Lord God, that the beauty and significance of these two words that start the Lord's Prayer. Maybe something that really uh, sits in our hearts this week, that reminds us of the beauty of our relationship, that speaks to us of the connectedness we have with you. For those, Lord, who do struggle with the, with the concept of Father, 
We pray that the, that the, the photograph would be, would be something, Lord, that is a reminder of, of your perfection as a heavenly Father, of everything a Father should be. We pray, Lord God, that we would find ourselves treating one another as children of yours. And we do thank you for those beautiful words in Romans that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are your children, crying out, Abba, Father. And today, Lord, as we bring these prayers to you, we do so as together we pray this prayer around which we have been looking this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, I pray that this week may be a blessed week for you that you would be continually aware of the beauty of the relationship of your connectedness with God, that you would say these words with a new sense of meaning and with a, with a new sense of vitality as you say the words, Our Father, reminding, reminding yourself of that relationship you share, of your own sense of worth, and also of the call to love others. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.